Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. Bradley's mother, Narcus Golan, has passed away in the fall of 2022. Bradley is autistic and needs structured routine and therapies he receives for his autism six days a week. However, Italy just entrusted Bradley to Italian social services. If he is ruled to go back, he will face the next three to four years in the Italian foster care system where he can't speak or understand the language. He will then be taken away from the only family he has ever known. Please call Governor Hochul, New York State, 518-474-8390. That's Governor Hochul, 518-474-8390 to please keep Bradley here safe in these United States. Hashtag keep Bradley safe. Next announcement, go to the site if you can. Please do your job.com. We need 2,500 more signatures to get a case reopened. That's please do your job.com. I have a brand new guest on. I have Diana Morrison White, and she has been studying the Constitution and Bill of Rights for 20 plus years as an author and playwright, writing two stage plays regarding the First and Second Amendments. Diana found it eye opening to see just how far the current judiciary has strayed from the original intent of our framers. And how very few Americans have access to justice and an impartial judiciary. As a single woman and pro se litigant, which means she represents herself, she has now spent over a decade trying to battle an ever-growing group of mostly privileged white males made up of New York state judges, lawyers, law enforcement, who have been shielded by numerous state and federal agencies, including the FBI, DOJ, OIG, and courts, which now includes the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, as well as the Federal District Court of Northern New York, the Supreme Court of New York, Appellate Division, Fourth Department, Jefferson County Surrogate Court, and also New York State Attorney General's Office, DANY, and Nassau County District Attorney's Office, all in an ongoing effort to shield two judges, two lawyers, and law enforcement from culpability. And she has been... Um, She's gone through four attorneys, like a lot of us have, so we can definitely identify with Diana, and I welcome you to the podcast, Diana. How did all of this evolve for you? Well, first of all, thanks, Marianne. I appreciate your having me on. Mm. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Uh, Oh, you know, it's been over a decade-long struggle, and, um, you know, it started out as contested estate litigation in Jefferson County Surrogates Court. Watertown, New York, and it has spiraled into a hornet's nest of conspiracy, perjury, forgery, fraud upon the court, and ongoing violations of my civil and constitutional and privacy rights by a corrupt group of judges, lawyers, law enforcement, and various federal agencies all involved in a Mm -hmm. cover-up, including all of the courts and agencies that you just mentioned. including a host of other elected officials uh, who've either chosen to look the other way or aid these violators and do nothing to uphold the rule of law. (laughs) So the event that kind of catapulted this litigation to another level uh, of conspiracy and corruption was a February 11th, 2021 clandestine court hearing in Jefferson County Circuit's court where attorney Michael Young whom I had had no communications with since April, 2019, and the court clerks 
who had not responded to my inquiries to get a hearing rescheduled since June 2019, slunk into court and allowed opposing counsel to move forward without providing federal tax returns, the key discovery that would have proven my case, and the only discovery that was required in a September 2019 order, which was also deliberately withheld from me. So, you know, just, you know, to go over, you know, kind of lawyer 101, there are three <laughs> elements of due process, which is every American citizen's right under the fifth and 14th amendments of the United States constitution. And they are number one, adequate advanced notice, two, a meaningful hearing, and three, an impartial jurist. I was allowed none of the three. Instead, they called two old phone numbers, which Young knew were not current, so they could move forward with a decision that they knew I would have been vehemently opposed to mm -hmm. and resulted in irreparable damage to my side of the case. I had never missed a hearing, and it should have been delayed. So only after they had succeeded with their premeditated and coordinated scheme, which goes to all of their mens rea or intent, mm -hmm. did I then start to receive advanced email notifications from the court again as to the next and all future status hearings. This email was the catalyst that required me to do about three weeks of investigating until I could figure out what the heck had happened. Huh. As you know, and as I continue to share the details of the events that follow, what's truly both frightening and amazing regarding the two years following this event is the state and federal courts, the law enforcement agencies, and the elected officials that have aided this group of two judges, two lawyers, and a police officer from culpability. Mm -hmm. I mean, after studying the Constitution and the Bill of Rights for over 20 years, um, it was eye-opening to come to terms with the rights that we really don't have. And that our constitution right now, at least, is nothing more than lip service and is ignored to benefit those who are rich, famous, well-connected, or in the news. And I'm, you know, I have continued to try to stand up for my rights and fight for justice. And, you know, and now it's it's to the point where it's starting to be detrimental to my health and well-being. Mm -hmm. And I know I was listening to one of your other podcasts over the last couple of weeks, and uh, I forget the gentleman's name, but he had suffered a heart attack. And Mark Andrews. And I I think you said you had the same experience. Yeah. And I'm so sorry. Oh, well, thank you. That is so, I, I mean, for people to have heart attacks and, you know, suffer such, you know, trauma and stress-related disease it's, um, yeah, you know, I think um, legal abuse syndrome is real. Oh, it is. People don't realize. Oh, my God. It's it's awful. But anyway, um, so in December 20, uh, 2021, in February 2022, you know, I think what this group of uh, privileged white males underestimated is that I would have the wherewithal to make a federal case out of this, literally. And so I filed an 18 U.S. Code 1983 civil rights complaint against these five predators, all who took various oaths to uphold the Constitution, other tenets of professional conduct, and the rule of law, 
I originally filed the complaint in the federal district court in Rhode Island because that's where I live. Mm -hmm. And the uh, value in question is over $75,000. And that uh, would have allowed the local judge here to exercise diversity jurisdiction. But um, un un instead, unfortunately, he transferred the case back up to the federal district court in northern New York in the backyard of where all the corruption occurred. And I was correct in predicting I would never receive a fair hearing. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, and so the elements of a 1983 claim are, are pretty simple. There's two things. It's number one, that the actions occurred under the color of state law, and that the actions resulted in the deprivation of a constitutional right. So my complaint included textbook examples of both due process violations under the color of state law, as well as conspiracy under 18 U.S. Code 242, which makes it a crime for a person acting under color of any law to willfully deprive a person of a right. Um, so in a 1983 civil rights case, the judge is mandated by law to deem all the facts of the case as true. And unfortunately, this judge turned a blind eye to process, due process violations, perjury, forgery, fraud upon the court, conspiracy, and technology hacking in a complaint filled with specific dates of emails, specific references to pages of depositions, dates and details of court hearings, that all went ignored to shield these defendants from culpability. Uh, so complaint was dismissed for failure to state a claim under Rule 12b-6 on August 24th, 2022, for reasons including that the private attorney's actions did not rise to the level of being a state actor and that judges have absolute immunity in a 1983 civil rights complaint both of those defenses are false. Mm -hmm. So I appealed this decision in September 22 with the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. And based on hundreds of hours of research and preparation, I was able to prepare a well-drafted brief and appendix with loads of case law by the lower court, the Second mm -hmm. Circuit Court, other circuit courts, the Supreme Court, and the US Constitution that should have resulted in them reversing the lower court's order. Mm -hmm. yeah. In further denial, this is great, you'll love this, in further denial of my right to due process, the court clerks and staff spent months going out of their way to impede my efforts to file all of my documents on a timely basis to satisfy the filing requirements. And the defendants in my complaint whom I was charging with, you know, one of the charges was conspiracy. They couldn't help themselves but engage in one final conspiratorial act by blatantly bribing in some manner both appellate printers I had contacted to format and print my appellate brief and appendices oh. to help ensure that either an incomplete or untimely delivery of the documents was sent to the court. And this all happened under the watch of the court. who So I filed submissions of notice on the record and I documented everything and the emails from the printers and, and, and my dated interactions with the court, which I was told was going to be sent to the three panel of judge judges that would decide 
whether they were going to reverse the order or not. Mm. And they denied my motions. Typical. I mean, my credit card merchant went to bat for me um, because the second um, appellate printer charged me over $2,000. And, you know, this was over the holiday season last year and it was a nightmare. And, you know, they tried to gain my, um, you know, they gained my approval by going over a couple of weeks of the whole editing process, which is very complicated and very time consuming, mm -hmm. you know, making me trust them and, you know, everything was on board. And then, you know, and this was like December 22nd or December 23rd, I get a copy of my appendix in the mail and it's missing the last 56 pages. Now, I, I, then yeah, what? so it, it was crazy. I'm so sorry. Yeah, so, um, you know, I disputed the charges with my credit card merchant and I provided them with all of the emails and back and forths and I won. Thank God. But, I mean, yeah. least, you know, and, and you look on their website and they're like, oh, improperly formatted documents could really um, you know, blow your case. And yet here they were doing that deliberately to me. Um, and so I won. Mm -hmm. So at least, wow. you know, despite the fact of the hell they put me through over the holidays last year and the back oh. and forth and the, you know, going to, you know, a local printer here to try to print it out myself. And like, am I going to take it to Manhattan personally to try to get it there on time if they don't follow through? And it was just, the most unbelievable experience I ever had. And, and this is the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. And this is what they put pro se litigants through all the time. Yes. Even when I was in my federal court case, uh, from the lower court to the federal court, they were supposed to transfer all exhibits except M, N, and O. One was attorney fees, which was an exhibit. One exhibit was a letter that the ex's, sis, ex's wife, who enjoys her job at the courthouse, her sister wrote berating a judge for giving me um, every other weekend unsupervised. She wrote uh, like a page and a half. So I submitted that as evidence, but that was missing. Isn't that strange? And so I, I just resubmitted it physically to the federal courthouse, but still, I know th these clerks are have so much different. power. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I don't even really know if any of the three judge panel even actually ever read or saw any of it. I, I really don't know that. Um, and so um, on September 25th of 2023, mm -hmm. the Second Circuit Court of Appeals upheld the lower court's ruling and dismissed my claim with a summary order that has no precedential value and was not signed by any of the three judges and was signed by the chief clerk. <laughs> I, I mean, they, you know, technically, if you look at my, at my brief and my appendix, they, they couldn't deny that my constitutional rights had been violated. I mean, it was like textbook examples of due process violations and conspiracy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I subsequently filed a, a, a petition for an on-bank review. Mm -hmm. 
within the 14 day time period required, you know, and then I got dinged because one of the pages was numbered wrong. So oh. I fixed the page and yeah. I got it back to them in time. And um, of course, um, you know, and so, and one of the three judges on the panel was the chief justice. So um, in an on-bank petition, the chief justice has to approve it to go to the entire panel. And of course that, I knew that wasn't going to happen, but I had to, I had to put this on the record. Right. Right. Just how, how bad, um, you know, an average American citizen gets treated in our court system. Mm -hmm. You know, so during this whole time, I've been consistently reaching out to various federal agencies, elected officials, both in the state of Rhode Island and New York, mostly to no avail. Um, I have repeatedly filed reports regarding the ongoing hacking of my technology, hacking that has been going on for years, despite filing numerous complaints with law enforcement. Attorney Michael Young had agreed to present this evidence to Jefferson County Surrogates Court as far back as 2018, and then went back on his word and refused to do so in an ongoing effort to shield his attorney buddies. Mm. I've gone to the local FBI field office on three separate occasions. I have filed online reports with the FBI, gone both in person and filed online police reports with the local police department on four separate occasions, and also with the Nassau County District Attorney. Mm. And let me just highlight one of these occasions because it's crazy. On On the morning of April 26, 2022, I watched while all of my emails from March 5th through April 26th were permanently spoliated from my primary Gmail account, as well as all emails dated from April 15th to April 26th in my sent folder. These emails contained damning information between one of my former attorneys and attorneys for my brother's estate, and all were related to a real estate swindle that I continued to be the victim of. I've been double-crossed by every attorney I've ever retained because they're n- they know that there are no consequences for their actions. Mm-hmm. You know, the as you know, I, I, the attorney and ju- judicial grievance committees are well known for being nothing but safe havens for, t- for protecting attorneys and judges from being held accountable. Uh, it's it's ridiculous, right? Uh, yeah, and sad for the rest of us that try to bring forth justice and some type of accountability. Yeah. I, I mean, and, you know, they take all of these oaths and, you know, supposedly they're, um, I, I, there, there might be an honest attorney out there. I just haven't met them yet. Mm. I'm sure some of them are out there, but I don't know where they're hiding. And I think that, if there's corruption involved, mm-hmm. I mean, when you get to, you know, really corrupt judges and lawyers, I think they have no, they have no choice but to um, join the game, I think, mm-hmm. because it, off the record, I have spoken with a couple of attorneys and I've told them my story and they've been very empathetic, mm-hmm. but you know what they said, you know, we would risk disbarment. 
you know, for the attorneys that actually try to stand up against corruption in between judges and lawyers, you know, then they go after them for telling the truth. Yes. Yes. I've heard that. Yeah. I am. And, and all of these attorneys that they go on each other podcasts and they're like, Oh, no one's above the law. And there's only one rule of law applied to everybody with no fear or favor. I am so sick Mm -hmm. of hearing that because it's not true. I I have called a handful of those attorneys that have those podcasts, Mm -hmm. you know, big, well-known attorneys in New York city and LA that have national um, representation and I'm like, well, you know, your website says that you're this big civil rights appellate attorney. Protect, you know, represent me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why won't you represent me? You know, if you were to look at the facts of my case, you would win. Mm-hmm. And so one of them I was speaking with in New York City and the, the you know, the one of the main partners, she's on TV all the time and she takes on all these high profile cases and all of this stuff. And so I said to her intake attorney, when she called me back, I said, so let's just jump to the chase here. Is it just an unspoken fact that attorneys don't go against other judges or attorneys where you can pretty much prove that they have been corrupt and broken the law and due process violations? Is it is that just the unspoken rule? Because we might as well just get that, you know, get that out there right now. And she's like, well, you know, let me look at your case. Uh-huh. And um, we have to be aware of certain sensitivities. Uh-huh. And I said, oh, what does that mean? You know, so I said, so how long does it take before you get back to somebody on, a, you know, something like this? She said, oh, well, we'll get back to you within 24 to 48 hours. Within two hours, mm-hmm. they emailed me to say, we can't help you. You know, and then where does someone go for redress for help? You you can't. I, I mean, I had conversations with the NYCLU, which is the New York City um, branch of the ACLU, the mm-hmm. American Civil Liberties Union. You think they'd be able to help someone whose you know due process violations were being so blatantly attacked? Mm-hmm. And I got the same thing from them. Yeah. We can't help you. We can't That's help. So wrong. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I have talked to hundreds and hundreds of attorneys. I have a, a whole stack, a folder, and it all boils down to the same thing. Um, I spoke with another national civil rights law firm, and you know, they they kind of dragged me along for a couple of weeks, and they mm-hmm. said, "We're going to get back to you. We're going to get back to you." And then finally, I got an email saying. We wish you all of the best in your pursuit of justice. Yeah. You know, from someone who wrote a stage play by the name of Justice, right. um, it's really, um, it's sad. Yeah. Very, um, I don't know, you know, is there justice anymore? I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, you know, I have I've been turned away by both of my senators and my governor. Um, however, one of my congressmen's offices actually tried to help me, and they provided me some assistance. They made some phone calls and wrote some letters to the FBI and the DOJ, 
Um, and it was bizarre because so in a letter dated October 17th, 2022, uh, their FBI liaison from the cyber division wrote my congressman to instruct me to go in person to the local FBI field office and provide them with details of my technology being hacked. And, you know, obviously he was not aware that I'd already been there mm -hmm. on August 24th and I'd spent an hour there. And, you know, it was clear when I left that the local agent was, was not going to do anything to help me. They didn't care. You know, I'm not rich or famous or in the news and they're going to protect the, the old boys network. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I went back to the same FBI office on October 19th, 2022. And this is shocking. I was told that the agent that I spoke with on August 24th, there was nobody there by that name. Oh. Nobody worked there by that name. Uh. And I said, I was here for an hour on August 24th. I have samples of their handwriting. Mm -hmm. And there was, she was like, nope, nobody works here by that name. I said, okay, let me speak with someone else. Five minutes later, out behind the little glass window comes the agent that I was just told didn't work there. And I said, what is your name? And they said, oh, that's my middle name. I don't go by that name here. Nobody knows me by that name. Oh, I'm not and, that. And I'm just like, what the hell? Oh. And so... I, I said, what are you doing about my technology being hacked? What are you going to do? And they said, well, we're going to send it to our field office in Albany. You know, and if this has legs, we're going to investigate it. I said, okay, great. So I went back to my congr congressman's office and I said, this is really bizarre. Mm -hmm. You know, don't you think this is kind of a bizarre series of events? And so they said, okay, we're going to call. So they called and left a message with the field office. And three weeks later, that agent called my congressman's office by the name that they said wasn't their name and said the exact opposite of what they told me and that if I wanted anything done about the hacking of my technology, I needed to call the Albany office. And I'm like, why? I'm, I, they're not going to help me. They need to help. You know, I need to go to the you know, local person. And then this is what the letter said to my congressman and which I did. And now they're saying that's not the truth. And after that phone call, all further communications with my congressman's office stopped. No. Mm -hmm. So, um, my, so I said to my congressman, this is fishy, you know, just something's weird. Why won't anybody help me? You know, mm -hmm. and so he said, well, if you think something's fishy is going on, you need to file a complaint with the office of the inspector general. So I did. And in the meanwhile, on January 4th of 2023, my congressman's office received a letter from the assistant attorney general responding to their letter on my behalf. A letter which totally ignored my complaint and the reasons for my asking for assistance. She ignored the fact that my technology had been repeatedly hacked, which is a violation of both state, state and federal laws, 
with the FBI and the DOJ, refusing to acknowledge or take action. She ignored the fact that the 1983 civil rights complaint I had filed was with the federal court system, which they have purview over. Um, and that these, these five defendants had all been acting under the color of law. And if you take a look on the DOJ's website, it stresses that they protect individuals from cyber attacks, uh, uphold the rule of law and protect civil rights, including 18 USC 242, which says that de facto, uh, defendants that act under the color of law, when they wield power vested by a government entity, i.e. a court. Mm -hmm. And then it goes on to say that other government actors, such as judges, can also act under color of law and can be prosecuted under the statute. And this has all just been swept under the carpet because I am not, I am not rich or famous or newsworthy, you know, nobody cares. Well, I, I, you're here. I, you know, um, I think Thank your story you. is important to get out and it will get out because this is, everything's getting swept under the carpet. Yeah. Yeah. So, so on January 16th of 2023, I followed my congressman's office's suggestion. I filed a complaint with the office of the inspector general, which was a nine page letter with 40 plus pages of supporting documents, asking them to investigate the ongoing violations that were being covered up by their agencies. That's what the OIG does. Mm -hmm. On February 14th, 2023, I received an unsigned letter from no one in particular uh, at the OIG stating that they were forwarding my complaint to two other internal agencies because their role was to investigate complaints against federal employees, which was what I was doing. So they have you going around in circles. Yeah. So they just brushed it off and sent it to two other agencies versus taking my complaint seriously. So on June 2nd, 2023, I forwarded a 13 page letter with 40 pages of supporting documents to 10 various congressmen, senators and governments or governors, including the senior senator from New York, Chuck Schumer, mm -hmm. who with eight offices in the state of New York has an office in the backyard of every place where all of this corruption is occurring. And, and also Governor Hochul, you know, who is intimately aware of th this court corruption because of what happened to Catherine. Mm -hmm. right, Catherine Kasanoff, yep. Catherine Kasanoff, I mean, I mean, she was intimately aware of what has to, you know, what's going on. You know, and I, and you know what I thought was really, you know, above everything else, tragic surrounding her, 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 untimely suicide was that when her vindictive ex-husband had her arrested outside of her children's school, one of the only times she was allowed to go pick them up, he had her arrested under false pretenses mm -hmm. and never filed any charges after that. But because of that arrest, she got lost. She lost her job. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just insane what is being allowed to happen here. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, it's just very upsetting. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I never received a single response 
from any of you know those 12 packets of information that I sent out, um, not once did anybody get back to me and say, we're looking into this. I also sent a copy to the White House, just, hey, this is what's going on with your federal agencies. Mm -hmm. um, I have never heard a word from anybody. So my last correspondence from the FBI oh, was dated August 23rd of 2023. It came back full of acronyms and double talk. And it stated that though an internal affairs investigation was not initiated, they did look into it, but they can't tell me what they did due to FBI confidentiality. And they now consider my complaint addressed. See you later. And to this day, nothing has been done about my technology being hacked. I, you know, clearly I have no rights. Are you still being hacked? Oh, I'm sure. Oh. Sure. Oh, that's disgusting. Now what? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Who do I go? There's nobody left to yeah. go to. Oh. That's inexcusable behavior from all. Yeah. And, and in that last, last letter, of course, there was no typed name in the signature line, so you don't know who it was coming from. And there was like a scratchy, scratchy signature that you couldn't read, which was intentional. So you mm -hmm. also couldn't know who it was coming from. So, um, it, you know, it's this. like I said, this is not a partisan issue. It's an American issue, mm -hmm. you know, and we need sweeping legislative reform. But um, unfortunately, our elected officials, um, they know what's going on. They know exactly what's going on and they, you know, their concern is more in being reelected mm. than standing up for the rights of 99% of their constituents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, of interest, it, Rhode Island passed uh, an abusive litigation law recently. It's like Act S604. And it protects vile, um, victims of domestic violence, mm -hmm. which is a start, um, you know, but I don't think it goes far enough. I mean, there are, there's an abundance of so many other types of abuse mm -hmm. that are currently happening in our courts. And that included legal abuse as well as domestic violence? No, no, no just... it's domestic violence only. Mm -hmm. Which is unfortunate. I mean, like I said, it's a start. Mm -hmm. And it will only be as good as the courts and the judges and the lawyers that actually uphold the law. Right. But I, you know, I think it's probably, you know, it's just, you know, some more smoke and mirrors. Yeah, oh, you're right. In, in June of 2023, Senator Warren and Representative Jayapal reintroduced the Judicial Ethics and Anti-Corruption Act. And as far as I know, absolutely nothing has been done about it. Everyone's like, oh, we're not going to touch that one. No one has the guts to touch it or they just don't want to be bothered? Or they, they're afraid that if they do anything, they won't get reelected. I think. Yeah. <sighs>
Well, then no one has any guts. Yeah, nobody has any guts. And, you know, I am just a single story and yours is a single story. And everybody that you have on your podcast is a single story. But we all add up to mm -hmm. something and, and we are important. And the only way that change, meaningful change is ever going to occur is if we continue to speak up. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Speaking up, I always tell people to speak up and tell it like it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, this is something you might want to read. It's it's really interesting. Back in 2020, Thomson Reuters did a three series piece uh, called the Teflon Rogue. Oh, yeah. Did you read that? I remember hearing about that. Yes. It is shocking. If you read some of the things that these judges do and they're they're just like, you know, like exposing themselves to people and I mean, literally exposing themselves. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, and it's it's they are they're um they're abusers in black robes. Yeah, and 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 they just get away with it. Have have you heard of a guy by the name of Tom Scott? I have heard that name. Yeah, he is an author and a blogger, and he wrote a book. Uh, what's it called? Something like uh, the American System of Injustice. And, and, you know, and what he says and what is true is that, you know, the biggest crime syndicate in the United States, it's not the mafia mm -hmm. and it's not the drug trade. It's the U.S. system of justice. You know, or injustice, yeah. shall we say. Yeah. Yeah. They're just there just is no justice. And people go into court thinking that, oh, you know, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be safe here. The judge is going to do the right thing. Yeah. No. 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 I mean, you know, I think, you know, a large percentage of the time, I think that it was decided before you even walk into court who's yes. going to win. Yes. Right. Such in my case, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And mine too. I, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, that's why every single fact that I have, you know, been able to produce that should have been presented to the court years ago has been withheld. Yeah. yeah. And, and like you said, these clerks are extremely powerful, that they're more powerful than the judge. Yeah. So, you know, there, you know, there's, you know, basically been, no discovery mm -hmm. and all of the illegal activities have been withheld because they're all part of it yeah and they're they're uh protecting each other yeah but you know who else do you go to when you've gone to you know every court above them and all of the law enforcement agencies and federal agencies that are supposed to be protecting us but they're protecting them Mm -hmm. no it's very frustrating parents are frustrated uh, th there's no redress no 
And it, it and it's family court, you know, but it's, you know, and you hear all of this stuff right now about the U.S. Supreme Court. And quite frankly, I'm so sick of hearing about it because, yeah. you know, all of these, you know, again, very privileged white mm -hmm. men and some, you know, at least uh, there are some with more moderate views, but, you know, they get away with everything and it, you know, and yes, it's, it starts at the top, but it, it but it, it's every court in the United States. It's the Supreme mm -hmm. court, it's the district appeals courts, it's family court, it's surrogates court. It's every single court Everywhere. where you, where you're trying to speak truth to power. You know, what do you think as far as a solution to this would be? I mean, we need to get rid of absolute immunity for judges. That's huge. Mm -hmm. That is ridiculous. Um, no, you know, and we've been hearing all of this case law flying around right now. And it's funny because some of the case law that I used uh, in my appeal uh, was actually just used by Jack Smith in his Washington, D.C. case. I mean, no man is above the law. And that's Article 6, Clause 2, I believe, of the U.S. Constitution. Um, no man is above the law. No man is a king. And yet, you know, the, the whole absolute immunity thing is, is ridiculous. And we have to get rid of that. And it has to be on a case by case basis. Right. And and I you know I I think to a certain extent like in a 1983 civil rights uh complaint judges do not have absolute immunity. The Supreme Court has said that time mm -hmm. after time after time and yet every court in my case overlooked that. Yeah, it, this is happening. This is rampant. People don't realize how rampant this is what happened to you and a bunch of other people. Um, yep. you know, yeah. and, and then you wrote, you know, the, these plays as well. When did you write those? Well, Justice, gosh, I began writing Justice, uh, you know, or doing the research for Justice over 20 years ago. And um, I just grew to have this, you know, fascination with our Constitution and the Bill of Rights and our framers. And don't get me wrong. I know people are like, oh, our framers were bad men. And, you know, they weren't perfect men by any means, but they built the system of self-governance mm -hmm. that has stood the test of time and allowed us to be the longest enduring constitutional Republican or Republic in world history. So that's meaningful. Um, but they were also fearful of um, kind of how judges' power could become omnipotent. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, there's some really great quotes by Thomas Jefferson out there um, that that kind of said, you know, we might be setting us ourselves up for problems in the future. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, so I started writing Justice a really, really long time ago. And, you know, it's just kind of um, ironic that I have been subjected to a system that is far removed from, I feel, what our framers intended, mm -hmm. you know, way back in, in the late 1700s. So I, I think that, you know, we have just gone so far astray.
Yeah. And and justice deals with the First Amendment and the freedom of speech and, you know, kind of compares modern day courtroom occurrences with them looking through a one way window in the courtroom, kind of saying this is not what we had in mind. No. Um, you know, and, and, you know, geez, I probably should have another one brewing where I take all of my personal experiences and um, just, you know, that, that could be very healing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, this, this whole thing has, you know, ended up giving me some very recent health problems and, um, you know, you, you try to explain something to, you know, a doctor and, the, and they're just like, what? Yeah. What do you mean? You know, what do you mean your technology's been hacked and nobody will help you? I'm like, well, that's the that's just the truth. Yeah, no one can believe this until it happens to them or they're very empathetic and their understanding of what you're going through. But other than that, don't talk to anybody that doesn't get it. Right. And and they may very well be empathetic and understanding to what you're going through. But then they're like, you know, they go home at five o'clock and they're like, not my problem. Mm -hmm. Not my problem. That's, you know, I'm not here, you know, I'm not here to solve the world's problems. And um, and it's just um, it's been a real uh, disappointment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, though, God will deal with all of them. Yeah, I, I I have to believe that you're right. Oh, I am right. Do you want to know why? Yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. so I had this friend. I, I used to work with her. Uh, we were both psychiatric nurses. And um, I went I went through something that was really bad. And it's like, oh, I hope I hope that horrible thing happens. And she goes, don't wish evil on anyone let God deal with them to say, God, you deal with them. So I said, okay, all right. Okay. And, and it did, it came to fruition that God dealt with this person who was a, a pain in the rear end. Okay. <laughs> but then as time moved on and we are sitting in family court and this judge takes away my rights to my kids calling me crazy and other things that they do to all parents. And you're a psychiatric nurse. No well, I was, oh, I had even advanced. I was a heart nurse, CVICU nurse, um, heart step down unit nurse, ER nurse. And uh, through false allegations and lies and CPS, I completely lost my job and everything. But God deals with these people because when the judge took away my kids on March 2nd of 2015, I said, God, you deal with him. And I said that intermittently. And you could say for a couple years, right? But, you know, karma has a way and karma is God. <laughs> I get a phone call on March 2nd of 2017 from my friend saying, hey, did you hear your judge died? Huh? I said, I actually fell to my knees at the mall and I yelled, praise you, Jesus. Yeah. So well, he couldn't hurt anybody else. Now he couldn't hurt any other families. Now he's answering to a higher judge who's not going to be merciful. Well, then that is justice, right? That is justice. So, you know, um, my kids were happy with that. I and you're 
your kids are fine and no no they, they did so much damage to these kids through the court system oh, uh, I to hear that oh well yeah. <laughs> that's another I, podcast on its own oh dear <laughs> I'm so sorry Marianne well you know every the younger two are basically intact uh, the oldest one will not speak to me because she's been brainwashed via Stockholm syndrome and parental alienation right. because the stepmother who enjoys her job at the courthouse couldn't have kids of her own. So she stole mine. Oh boy. That was the whole premise of the whole disaster essentially. Boy, I am so sorry, you know, and, uh, but that's, you know what it, it, everything fell into place according to what God wanted to do. So I give all, all of it to God. And here that this podcast has evolved. I've got you on it. You're an author and a playwright. I mean, and you've been through your hell and I'm sorry you've been through that, but you know, you've written about it. You've got two plays. I mean, and you also came up with a solution, which is to get rid of the absolute immunity. Yes. So and we all have to start calling our elected officials. Although, you know, I've told you my experiences yeah. with mine, um, you know, and I got, you know, they threw me a bone a little bit, but then, you know, they cut me off too. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know how else, you know, to organize, you know, I really think if we could somehow, I mean, cause I know, you know, supposedly they say they're right right now. There are like two million pro se litigants out there mm -hmm. right now, mm -hmm. and that number is only growing. And it's not just because um, of how much it costs to hire a lawyer to represent you. It's just that most of them are, you know, slime. Oh, well, that and plus people go through three or four lawyers, and by that time, what I was doing was racking up charge cards. Yeah. It, it's like, okay, I've got to put a stop to this because swiping away isn't getting anything fixed or so. Yeah. And this current judge is like, well, you've been through three lawyers, Ms. White. Uh, well, and why is that? Right. <laughs> so, so there's been so much due process here and it's a joke. <laughs> oh, you it know? is a joke. Yes. And you order transcripts and they add stuff to the transcripts that they want to see there. They take stuff out of the transcripts that they don't want to see there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's another issue. There is no transparency. Exactly. Yeah. Now, you know, it, if you wish for someone to contact you, if they have any questions, you know, how would you want to be contacted? Um, they can use the the email that you have. It's what it's DM White twenty twenty three at Yahoo. Okay, I believe that's the email that you and I have been using, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think that's it. DM White twenty twenty three at Yahoo dot com. And I'll put that in the podcast notes. If there's any advice you can give anyone, what what would it be? Oh boy. Just try to hang in there. Um, it is so hard and discouraging. And, you know, there have been days where it's really been all I can do to get out of bed because, you know, it's like, oh, God, mm -hmm. I've got to work on another <laughs> motion. And, yeah, you know, and, and I'm so tired and, you know, it's they don't do any good anyways no. because, you know, the, the courts don't respect pro se litigants, especially if you're trying to, uh, you know, shine a light on corruption. Um, 
you know, but I, I would, I guess I would just say, hang in there. Um, you know, and another thing I, and so above and beyond all of my technology being hacked, my Facebook account was hacked years ago, along with everything. Mm -hmm. So I have no social media presence, um, except for, I, I do have a website for my writing. It's my name, it's Diana Morrison.com. But, um, I have no social media presence. And I, and I think that that for people that do, I think that's helpful. I mean, I think Catherine, you know, Kassenhoff, I think she had a bit of a following uh, because her story was just so egregious. Yes. Um, you know, and I think that helped her story to get some of the rightful attention it deserved for how awful it is. And um, yeah, I don't have any social media presence, you know, for those reasons. So, you know, if anybody listens to this and wants to post my story or wants to share it with 10 friends, this is how, this is what we have to do. I mean, I would, you know, if I'm sure that there are, you know, I'll just say a hundred thousand, hundreds of thousands of people that have been or are experiencing abuse at the court system right now, mm -hmm. you know, and if we could all somehow convene, whether it's in Washington, DC or New York or somewhere and just, you know, enough so that our politicians actually took notice and said, oh, boy, you know, some of our constituents are getting mad and they might not vote for me if I don't do something mm -hmm. about it. Um, well, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I, I don't know, because, you know, I've been banging my head against a wall and, um, you know, like I said, nobody has been helping me. So. Oh, geez. Well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. And I'd like to have you come back on again. Absolutely. I, I've enjoyed talking to you and I appreciate your inviting me. And, you know, I hope this, you know, for somebody that's listening, I hope maybe it's shed a light on just how widespread this corruption is. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Um, don't jump off. Okay. okay. Slam the Gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth, and Raised by These Wolves, How Family and Federal Courts Are Failing Our Children. Please join us again here in the future with Diana Morrison-White and other exciting guests. You can find me on Spotify, YouTube, Apple iTunes, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, and feel free to donate to buy me a coffee to keep the podcast going. Thank you so much, Diana. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate you too. And happy new year. Happy new year.